the idea of the Jewish Bible reading calendar starts in Genesis and has divided Genesis through Deuteronomy into these parashot, which is the plural way to say parsha, or in English, portion. And it's the same idea as the readings of scripture in the Catholic Church of the Anglican Church. You know that on this date, everybody in the Jewish community worldwide is reading the same portion. And the idea is we're trying to remember and rehearse and teach our children the answers from the scriptures to those questions. Who is the God of Israel? Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Just a heads up before we dive into our topic today, Carly, you know, A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is listener supported and we want to give you, our listeners, an opportunity at the end of this program to get more involved. So stay tuned for those details. Let's discuss. So Carly, we're going to dive right in. Today we're talking about this idea of reading or studying or meditating on doing devotionals related to some kind of organized reading of the scriptures of the Bible, right? Some kind of uh, structure where we cover some ground in the Bible more than just, I'm going to flip the thing open and see what I find and hope the Lord's providence is at work, which we've all done. Don't, don't pretend like you haven't. We can't see you avoiding eye contact, but we've all done it at some point. I need a word. Okay, just flip it open. But probably there's a more ordered, structured way that we can do that. So my question is, in your own experience um, as a believer in Jesus, raised Catholic, what was the Bible reading plan for you? Was there one? Who got to decide what it was? How closely did you follow it? What significance did it have? Yeah, growing up Catholic, there. At every Mass, everyone reads the same portion, Mm -hmm. ironically, I feel like saying. We'll talk about it in a minute. And funny, I can remember they stand up. Have you been to a Catholic Mass before? I have. And I've been to some Anglican churches, which are high church liturgical, so maybe similar. So they stand up and say, you know, a reading from the Word of the Lord, and then they read through it, and it's the same. You know, if you go to any Catholic church, they're reading the same passage. That particular week, every Catholic church is going to read that portion of Scripture. Right. Yeah which is really relevant to what we're talking about in a minute. After I became, started going to a non-denominational church, that's definitely not the case. You mm-hmm. know, every church is kind of doing their own thing. The right. pastor decides it or whatever. Right. Um, Sermon series. Exactly. So then I started to do more of like a Bible in a year mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. like on my phone or um, just other devotionals that I would do throughout the year, not really following like a plan. But once I started working at Jewish Voice and... I don't know if you remember, like probably seven years ago or mm-hmm. so, sometimes mm-hmm. we would play like this minute video yes. Yes. that would um, talk about the portion for that week in like a minute. And I was always like, what is this thing? You know, right. why, why are we doing this and why, why are we doing it every week? But then I later learned that it's similar to the Catholic readings, that it's every Jewish person that's following this is reading that same portion every week. Right. Right. And actually, it's interesting. My wife is from Israel, but she's been going the last few weeks to a Catholic Bible study. Like she randomly saw she's driving down the road here in the Phoenix area and drives by this Roman Catholic church. 
and it says, the Jewishness of Jesus, Bible study every such and such night. So she said, I'm just gonna go hear what they have to say. And she's listening and going, wow, so much of this Catholic tradition, and you see the background I come from now, not Catholic, Father so-and-so who's leading this church. Yeah, the priest, thank you. I was gonna get there, priest, (laughs) priest. It's a very Jewish word, the priest. Yeah. Okay, good, I obviously need more coffee as usual. So my wife is saying, wow, this priest understands, and I didn't think he would because it's Catholic and they're not Jewish, that so much of the tradition in the Catholic Church comes from Jewish traditions, even Jewish Torah commandments given to the people of Israel. And so one of those is, I think, you know, in in high church, we can say Catholic Church or Anglican Church, you do more of a liturgical kind of concept. The Book of Common Prayer was originally a Jewish concept. We talk about that in other programs. The Israelites in exile in Babylon had to figure out how do we stay Jewish living outside the land of Israel. And so they developed these daily prayers that to this day are prayed by observant Jewish men, and in many cases also women around the world. And the idea is we're all asking God for the same thing. And I think that's where the idea in the church of the Book of Common Prayer comes from, is during the time of Jesus, there were prayers that were already sort of codified as as part of what it meant to be Jewish and stay Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so, Book of Common Prayer in the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church, similar idea. And then also this idea of a calendar of scripture readings that you're going, if I'm part of this body of faith, that wherever this body is worshiping God on this day, we're all meditating on the same portion of scripture. That also comes from, as far as we understand, around the times of Ezra and Nehemiah, that same idea in Jewish history, Babylonian captivity, okay, we're outside the land of Israel. There's no temple to worship in. It's been destroyed. There's no synagogue. There's no temple mountain to go to and no kind of centralized place where we're practicing our faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what do we do together, one, to remember who we are and who it is that we come from and who we're serving in order to be Jewish and stay Jewish? And so out of that felt need in the exile came this calendar of readings. And in the case of... Jewish tradition, the kind of core, you know, the entirety of the Old Testament as the Christian community knows it is what's known as the Jewish scriptures, okay, the Tanakh or the Jewish Bible. But the real kind of central part of that is the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy, which are known also as the Torah or the Torah, we can say in Hebrew. And I think the idea is all of us, especially the Jewish community, are asking four questions, right? Who is God? Who are we, where is God in our story, and what is God calling us to do? And so the idea of the Jewish Bible reading calendar that goes once a year, starts during uh, the Jewish high holidays around Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles every September, October-ish, depending on where it falls on the Western calendar, uh, and then concludes the following year around Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement and the Jewish New Year, and starts over again, starts in Genesis, and has divided Genesis through Deuteronomy into these parashot, which is the plural way to say parsha, or in English, as you said at the top of the program, portion. These portions of scripture where we're reading the Torah every year, not just to ourselves, but also as men and husbands and fathers, as heads of our household, reading it out loud and then reading it in the synagogues, in community, reading uh, these portions every week. And it's the same idea as the readings of scripture in the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church. You know that on this date, 
everybody in the Jewish community worldwide is reading the same portion, but instead of it being the swath of scripture, right? Like Old Testament, New Testament, lots of, you know, and now we're reading from the gospels. Like, no, it's, it's Genesis through Deuteronomy. And the idea is we're trying to remember and rehearse and teach our children the answers from the scriptures to those questions. Who is the God of Israel? Who is this creator God who made the heavens and the earth? And then who are we as the people of Israel created in his image? Or who am I as an individual, you know, like a son of Adam uh, created in his image? Where's God in our story as a people? And then what is God calling us to do? And I think by application, for all of us as believers, Jewish or Gentile, we're asking those same questions, right? Like, who is this God that I'm called to worship? Who has he made me to be? Where is he in my story? And if all of those things are true, then what's he requiring of me? What's he inviting me into? What's those, to use Ephesians language, Paul language, what are the good works that God prepared in advance for me so that I should walk in them? So I'm going to back up just a minute because you said it starts with Rosh Hashanah. Right. That's like if we think about the Western calendar. But mm-hmm. if you think about the Jewish calendar, does it start on a certain day of the Jewish calendar every year? It starts on this day called Simchat Torah. Okay, so I said that in my best, which is not really the best Hebrew language accent. But that name of that holiday literally means the joy of the Torah or the joy of God's word. And that day happens right at the end of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, every year on the Jewish calendar. So literally at that point, you're at the end of Deuteronomy. And then we we finish the Torah. And there's this big celebration to singing and dancing in the synagogue and rejoicing. And we take the the parchment, the literal like sheepskin scroll, and it's stinking heavy. Like it's hard to hold up. For those who don't know, if you go to a synagogue, usually during the Torah service, where you're reading that week's portion or parasha, somebody has the honor of holding up the Torah scrolls which is maybe easy when you're in like Leviticus somewhere, right? Both sides of the scroll are sort of the same height, same weight. But by the time you get to Deuteronomy on Simcha Torah, one side's like 45 pounds and the other side's like three pounds because it's all rolled to one side. So unless you're like a bodybuilder and you drank your whey protein on the way to Shabbat service, you're in big trouble. So usually somebody's holding their arm and you don't want to drop this thing because it's 200 years old and really expensive. Anyway, I digress. This is part of the humanity of the synagogue service. But you take this scroll and you roll it back from Deuteronomy all the way to Genesis. So now it's entirely heavy on the other side. uh, And we start again, rinse and repeat. We start with in the beginning was the, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And and then we do it again for another year. I remember um, early in my time at Jewish Voice, I was explaining this to someone recently and they thought it was hilarious. So it's like through the Christian eyes. I was like, do you remember that one time when we did a conga line and we were carrying the Torah and they're like a Torah service? I'm like, yeah. So that's basically what it is. I appreciate your Christian perspective. This is a Jew and a Gentile discuss. Remember the conga line? You mean the Torah service? (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, oh yeah. I believe your people call it a hoopah, a Torah service. Right. The conga line. I got you. So um, we've talked about how we're talking mainly about the Jewish way, not way, but the Jewish readings. Right. Now, someone who's a Jewish believer in Jesus Do they add New Testament scriptures into the portion? Yeah. So before we talk about the New Testament portions, which have been added in many cases, we can talk about traditional Jewish Bible reading, which not only has that core parasha, like the portion of the week from the Torah, but also has 
uh, a reading from the prophets, if you will, or the, the prophets and the writings, some other portion of scripture, usually from the Jewish prophets, that corresponds with or addresses the same issue being read in the Torah that week later on in the story of Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, so often Isaiah is quoted, often it's Jeremiah, Micah, Hosea, and it's neat to see how God was introducing an idea through Moses, uh, or even before Moses, through the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their worshiping of the living God. And then later on, hundreds and hundreds of years later, in the story of Israel, later on in the Old Testament, we see the same idea come up again, and we're able to apply what we read in the Torah portion to what the prophets are saying later on in the history of Israel. And so the same idea applies if you're going to add New Covenant or New Testament readings. Why? Because we understand that Moses or the Torah and the prophets were telling Israel constantly, there's one coming who's the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Anointed One, and these are the things that his life and ministry will fulfill. Moses says, there's one coming after me who's greater than me. Listen to him. And Isaiah talks about a suffering servant. And Jeremiah talks about, in those days, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Jacob. Though they broke the first covenant I gave them, this new covenant is going to be written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And we can see that so often. Another example is Malachi. We see at the end of Malachi, God says, I'm bringing one in the spirit of Elijah who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. And who comes in the spirit of Elijah? John the Baptist, or in Hebrew, Yohanan the Immerser, we can say, comes to bring repentance to Israel, to say, repent for the days of the Messiah are near. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is coming. And so the idea is, just as we can see an example of what's talked about in the Torah later on in the Old Testament, we can see in the ministry of Yeshua, of Jesus, the fulfillment of the Torah concept in him. And so many Jewish believers, and it's not always the same uh, passage, but have taken places in the New Testament where Jesus fulfills something in the Torah and they link it to that week's Torah parasha or Torah portion. So yeah, for Messianic communities, and then really for anybody who wants to check it out, on any given week you can find a portion from Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then a corresponding portion from elsewhere in the Old Testament, and then a portion specifically related to that fulfillment of that in Yeshua from someplace in the New Testament. And it's I'm not cool. going to butcher the Hebrew in case your wife is listening, but can uh -huh. you say what it's called when they add the New Testament scripture? I can. It's the Brit Chadashah. So lots of phlegm on the microphone right now that I'll wipe off when we're done recording. But Brit actually means a covenant. Literally, literally it's a cutting. Uh, God cuts covenants with Israel. What do we mean by that? He, you know, in the case of like Abraham, right? God's making this covenant with Abraham and Abraham splits this animal down the middle and walks in between its bloody pieces. The covenant of circumcision, which maybe we'll do a podcast on. It's a little awkward, but people may be asking, what's the deal with circumcision? It's literally God saying, this is a demonstration that you're in covenant with me. There's going to be a cutting and there's going to be blood. So that's the idea is, a Brit, a covenant, is literally a cutting, and the Brit Chadasha, Chadasha means new, Chadesh, Chadash in Hebrew is new. Uh, it's the new covenant, and what's the cutting, what's the blood? It's the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world, mm -hmm. who was slain uh, for our transgressions. We know he died under a Roman execution stake. So it's that same idea, but Brit Chadasha, to answer your question. So when you, I assume you do this, um, do you do like 
another devotional in addition to it? Or is this like you're reading? It's a good question. It depends on the season. Like sometimes I'll dive really deep into like Isaiah. What's Isaiah saying? And I'll spend a couple weeks just on that book. Or other times I'll look at something chronologically like what do we see in Daniel and what do we see in Jeremiah and all these other guys who are writing during the 70 years of Israel's exile. Because it's interesting to see different, like some are living in Israel, some are living in Babylon, some are writing from other places, but God's speaking to all of these different men who didn't even know each other and he's saying a similar message. So I'll look at a devotional like that. Other times I just want to dive into something like Ephesians and say, what is God saying here? What's the message? Or Romans. But for for my family and for me, we try and we succeed most of the time in making sure that the Torah portion reading is at least happening while we're doing Shabbat on a Friday night, Saturday. At some point, we're reading that together. We're kind of saying, what's the lesson we can learn here? Yeah, so we'll, we'll do that as an ongoing devotional, even if it's not the only one. So that's what I was going to ask is this is, to clarify, this is not a daily reading. This is a yeah. weekly reading. So is it something that you read on Shabbat? We do. Yeah. And some people actually do read it daily. Like they'll take the portion of the week and say, I'm not going to read five or six chapters on one day. I'm going to read a chapter every day. So it depends. But the idea is at least during that week, at the latest on Shabbat, on that Friday night, Saturday of that weekend, you're reading the Torah portion that your kinsmen around the world are also reading. And it's a cool thought to know that an entire people Millions of people are thinking about the same few chapters of Scripture the same week, every week, on an ongoing basis. Maybe that'll answer my next question for you. But coming from a high church background sure. growing up, I I feel like this is common. People who come from high church are kind of anti-liturgical later in their life or Can be. vice versa. Sure. So for me, when I think about this, I think, why would you want to repeat the same reading every year? Right. I mean, it's exactly the same. So this is a great question. I would say it's the same reason that God tells the children of Israel, you know, like we're, we're recording this around Passover time. So one of the things Jewish families are commanded to do is to have lamb and bitter herbs and matzah, bread made without yeast, every year and it says when your children ask you why do we do these peculiar things you tell them because we were slaves in egypt and god brought us out of egypt out of slavery and bondage with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and and what do we mean by that what's god saying he's saying i'm i'm obligating you to repeat to to tell one generation to the other the story of who I am and who you are and what I've done for you and what I'm calling you to do. Why? Because one, your children need to know it, those who come after you. And two, we we tend to leak. We're like colanders, unfortunately, rather than vessels sometimes, right? We leak and we forget these things and the cares and the concerns of life or the pressures of culture uh, can get in the way. Like, I mean, every day we're getting bombarded on our phones or our television screens or our computer screens or whatever, right? With the the same questions culture and society's answer this is who god is if we even believe he exists or we're all god and we're the gods of ourselves right well who are we well we're whatever we want to be and there is no truth well where's god in our story well he isn't he's i mean look at the world he obviously isn't up to much and uh, you know we're, we're on an ongoing basis there's ideas being reinforced which are not biblical and which don't reinforce god's truth and so god's saying i'm i'm asking you to rinse and repeat to tell the story and to tell the story again and then to tell it again because we need to hear it again. I think it's in human nature to be fickle and to forget. And so uh, we need to hear it again. And the third thing I'll say to answer that is 
God says very clearly, his word is living and active. And so like my wife and I have read the same portions uh, every year, you know, on the same week of the Jewish calendar every year for years. And yet I'll tell you like really, really, every time I read it, I get something new out of it because I'm just in a different place in life and it's going to hit me a different way or something that I read before and said, oh, that's interesting. The next year I'm, you know, weepy over it because it's particularly impactful that year. So I think those ideas, our tendency to, to forget, our need to pass on the information and the story, to remember the story, uh, and then also the words living and active. And it's always going to have benefit even if we're reading the same portion over and over. Mm-hmm. So those listening who are a Christian, yeah. Um, might be saying, you know, it's great, Ezra, that you have your own Jewish reading plan, but what this, what does this have anything to do with me? Sure. So what would you say to a Christian that's saying, good that I understand this, but why do I care about the Jewish reading plan? Yeah, I think one, Genesis, what's in there? One, that God exists and that he's the creator. Two, that he made male and female in his own image, like that gender was a, was part of us bearing the nature of God, whether male or female. Like you have all these issues in there, right? The idea of a Sabbath rest and how God called that holy and set it apart for his own purposes. So all of that, the idea of Noah, right? And God saying, when you look up in the sky and you see a rainbow, don't think political agenda, think this is how I'm telling you, I'm never gonna destroy you like I had to destroy that generation. All of these things apply to all mankind and to all who would call upon him before there was an Israel right before he set apart a people to be his servants and witnesses of his glory. So I would say reading what we can call the Jewish scriptures or the first five books of the Bible can teach us so much. Even the Ten Commandments, those weren't specific to Israel. I think those are, those are moral ideas for all followers of him because it's how we identify ourselves as the people of God rather than just a godless people with no truth or, or anchors in life. So uh, that would be some of my answer. And also maybe a little bit more controversial, but I think Paul's pretty bold about it with the Roman church, which was by and large majority Gentile, no Jewish background. He's saying, remember the the fullness or the fatness in Hebrew or in the Greek, excuse me, this idea, remember the fatness of of the roots of the tree you were grafted into. Hey, Gentiles, you had nothing to do with the God of Israel, but you were brought near and you're enjoying the sap of the kingdom of God because Jesus brought you in and grafted you in. He made a way for you to be reconciled to a God you had nothing to do with beforehand. But don't forget, the roots are Israel. Don't forget what it is that you've been made a part of. So I think reading the first five books of the Bible or the the entire Old Testament for that matter and doing that study should help Christians understand what is it what story have I been brought into? And that's a key thing we talk about so much on this podcast. It's not Jesus, the God of the Christians, showed up and invented a new religion. And if the Jews want to be a part of the Christian story, they're welcome. But if they don't, too bad for them. It's Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, showed up for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and in his death and his resurrection made a way for anyone to call upon the name of the God of Israel and to be reconciled to him through the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's the story we've been grafted into, uh, either as wild branches, Gentiles, or as branches that were cut off for unbelief and have been grafted in again by God's mercy. So would you encourage a Christian to follow this reading plan? I think if you're, if you're searching for where do I jump in and I don't just want to kind of read the Gospels, but how do I engage with the Old Testament, this is a great start. 
and maybe you'll find it deeply meaningful and maybe it's something you do once and say, okay, I've done it. But I certainly think it's an option and it's a way, especially in society today, that's sort of trying to erase any idea of God's existence or the idea of absolute truth. Why the heck not start in Genesis 1? It's a great place to understand, like, what is it that we actually believe? Like, what was in the beginning and why does that matter for us today? So it's certainly a great option and and worth doing at least once is what I'd say. And like you said before, I think it's really meaningful that if you do follow it, there's Jewish people all around the world at the exact same time reading the same thing. So if you're thinking about praying for Israel and the Jewish people, this is a really tactical way to remind yourself of that. Right. Yeah. You know, the scriptures are living and active, right? And, And Paul is clear. He says, to this day... When the law of Moses, what's the law of Moses? It's the Torah, okay? To this day, and this was 2,000 years ago, but it's still true today. It's an enduring truth. To this day, when the law of Moses is read, a veil remains over the Jewish people's eyes so that seeing they cannot see. So a Christian may read the Torah and go, that's so clearly talking about the Messiah, right? Moses, one greater than I is coming after me. Listen to him. And we're going, who is greater than Moses? It's clearly Jesus. Remember, it's not clear to a Jewish reader. So as you read these things, pray pray that the, the veil is removed and that the blinders come off. It's We can't look for natural solutions to spiritual problems. And Paul's saying there's a spiritual problem here and that there's a callousness on the hearts of most of Israel. But God in his mercy can remove that. If he's able to take someone who had no relationship with him and graft them into relationship with him, surely he can put back a branch that's been cut off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those listening who want to follow this, um, we're going to provide a really tactical way to do that. Uh, In the show notes, there's going to be a link um, to a website where you can go and get the reading schedule with both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you can follow this if you'd like to. Um, So either in the show notes, if you're listening on a podcast app, or you can go to the website and look at the the notes right on on the podcast. But it's totally free, just a PDF that has every each of the weeks and the reading that corresponds with the weeks. So we hope that's a really helpful resource. You can check that out. Like I said, a really great way to understand the roots of your own faith um, and also think about the Jewish people that all over the world are reading this same thing at the same time. So check that out in the show notes, and we hope that's really helpful to you. If you benefited from what you heard today and you feel others could benefit from hearing it too, we want to ask you to get involved and become a supporter. $50 gets this and other important messages out to a broader audience and gets life-saving medical care to one additional underserved Jewish person living far outside the land of Israel. As a thank you, we'll send you a bag of fresh roasted Ethiopian beans from our own Lost Tribes Coffee Company. These delicious beans are responsible for both the speed and intensity with which Ezra expresses himself on this podcast. Totally true, Carly. And if you're not ready to become a supporter today, just let us know that you listen by entering and giving a little bit of information. You'll be entered in a drawing to win a free bag of that Lost Tribes Coffee Company coffee. You can go to our website at jewandagentiledisgust.org or click in the show notes for more information. And if you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast content. And we'd also love if you leave us a review and share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and A Gentile Discuss. And if there's anything you want us to discuss or have us answer, please submit your questions at our website, a Jew and a Gentile 
This is Carly and Ezra. Thanks for listening to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.